Hardy's two for five dollar breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just five dollars. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. Impact of influence: the Murdoch family murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. As always, we're grateful you're spending time with us. Big guest coming up. If you want to reach out to us, I'm Matt Harris, by the way. Seton Tucker, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, which is Murdoch Podcast, or on our website, which is MurdochPodcast.com. And that leads us into our special guest. He's the Assistant Attorney General in South Carolina, lead prosecutor of the Alex Murdoch guilty verdict. He is Creighton Waters, and we're pleased to have him aboard. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are y'all today? We're great. First thing, before you even get into the, the, the case and other things like that, what led you in the direction of being a, a prosecutor? Was it your thought before you even went to law school, or did that happen after you went to USC? No, it, it actually happened when I, I always say that when I went to law school, I was going to be a criminal defense attorney and get them all the uh, innocent people out of jail. And after three years of law school and doing a clerkship for uh, Judge Jasper Curitan, who was a mentor and a trailblazer, but I just came to the determination that uh, most of them were guilty and uh, uh, became a prosecutor after that and been doing it ever since in oh. various capacities. Oh, there's nothing like this case you've ever had, I'm sure. Was there a spotlight ever even close to this, even in the state that you uh, have had? We've had a, a lot of high-profile cases. Obviously, this one, uh, with its national, international profile, is yeah. is you know much bigger than anything any of us have ever uh, experienced. But in state grand jury, uh, you know, we do a lot of public corruption, um, you know, cartel, uh, narcotics, uh, gang stuff, uh, you know, and some high-profile white-collar stuff. So we've certainly uh, had high-profile cases before, but you know, I think we all know this is a pretty unique situation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone in our state has seen anything like this before. No. I've spoken to several lawyers, and they said it was really unusual to them to request this speedy trial by the defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you think they did this, and do you think it was a mistake on their part? Well, you know, I think that they were uh, hoping that uh, we wouldn't be ready uh, or that, you know, we would continue to delay and that that would preserve an issue that that they could raise down the line. Uh, I don't think that you have to ask them, but I don't think they really expected us to take it up seriously, much less um, to, uh, you know, do it so soon in January. Uh, And I think, uh, you know, maybe their hope was was that, you know, they could force a trial and and hopefully be victorious and, and hopefully then maybe we would be cowed by that and and give away the white-collar stuff. But uh, obviously that's not how it worked. What was the pace like getting ready for a trial this quickly? Uh, It was insane. And, of course, we we still do have a lot of other cases as well. Um, But uh, it's been, uh, as you can imagine, it's been a lot of work, uh, a lot of work on the weekends, a lot of work in the evenings. Uh, During trial, of course, it's anywhere from a, you know, 14 to sometimes 20-hour-a-day job, uh, and that's just all you're doing. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was one reason, you know, I've got the state grand jury team. Uh, obviously the murders themselves were not state grand jury, but all the white collar stuff is, uh, but you know, one of the things that we're used to is doing complex investigations. Uh, we're used to working closely with sled, at, uh, at, you know, and, and 
in these investigations. And so it was really kind of uh, something that was, you know, in our, in our area of, uh, of what we're familiar with. Uh, and then I had this, you know, this large team and I told everyone, every person is going to have an important role in this, whether attorneys or staff, and I can't speak highly enough of all of them. Um, but I think they all had that ownership and that, that was the only way we were able to survive is that everybody took a specific role and really stepped up to the plate. And you, I think you saw all of them in action, uh, not only the attorneys, but the staff as well. So how many of their spouses called you and said, Creighton, can I see my husband or wife once in a while? <laughs> <laughs> that may have happened. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Might've heard from my own, uh, uh, she may have called me, but, uh, you know, we were, we were away for a long time and, yeah. and there were, Certainly weekends that I, uh, I think I went home every other weekend. So uh, it was, you know, we were all away from our families for for a long time. And then it ended and you're back home. And now she's like, don't you have another yeah. case coming up? <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or you know, that yard needs cutting. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's been an adjustment getting back. And, um, you know, I think it, we're just now all starting to reset, uh, just maybe in the past few days. You know, when you're under that kind of effort and stress and pressure every single day uh, for such a long time, you know, and then you get back and for me at least, and others have talked to me about this as well, it was almost just an an uneasy feeling uh, that, you know, you needed to be doing something. Uh, I remember having, um, you know, uh, dinner and and waiting for food and and it it just, it felt like it was taking forever, you know, and and this is just a normal thing that you do, but it just... Just uh, when, you know, every minute was precious for so long, it, it was kind of hard to kind of unplug from that. But I think we're all we're all doing a good job with that. Uh, you can't just sit on the now. couch and watch basketball or, you know, <laughs> that those days are gone. No, I, I think I'm glad March Madness is here because I think I'm finally able, you know, going to be able to do that. And so that, that's going to be fun, a fun distraction. And. Uh, you know, I think the the Gamecock women, who are of course an undefeated number yeah. one seed, uh, seed, are playing right now. So uh, I'll check that out. Uh, I'm super excited about the. I'm a huge uh, Gamecock women's basketball fan, so I'm so excited that they're the number one seed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly Dawn Staley is the best program in the nation, and so yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. And I'm a huge fan too. That's, I would say Aja Wilson. I mean, that might be the most. Poetry in motion, basketball player, men or women that I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. She was, she was amazing. But anyway. Completely yeah. agree. What was your reaction when Paul's cell phone was unlocked and you viewed that kennel video? Well, uh, I remember first hearing, uh, you know, getting a call from SLED. And, and I, you know, again, all those guys did such an amazing job. And, and I got a call and... Uh, you know, and we, we, of course, listened to it. Uh, of course, you can't see him. Now, yeah. I had never spoken to Alec in life until that day of the arraignment. Uh, and the first mm-hmm. conversation, quote, unquote, that I ever had with him was when I started to cross him. Uh, but, you know, we certainly were all familiar with his voice, a very distinctive voice. Um, but you still had to go and investigate and talk to people who knew him and have them listen to that uh, that video and confirm that, that that's him. As that started to happen then obviously how significant that was uh, started to, you know, really uh, reveal itself. And, that, and we all know that was an extremely crucial piece of evidence. It's just, you know, obviously having him present at the scene of the crime with the two victims just moments before they died and then lying about that, that's obviously pretty devastating evidence. I'll be honest, when you heard all it took was Paul's birthday, 
to open it up to just smack yourself in the forehead. His birthday? Damn, that's mine too. Yeah. Well, no, again, I'll give credit to law enforcement. Uh, you know, I, I was not actively involved in like, hey, try this. Uh, but just told it. And we understand it can be, you know, very difficult, certainly with certain iPhones to get in there. So when they told me, hey, we can't get in, that's not that's not the first time that's happened. Uh, we certainly were into that. But You thought it was going to be probably years, right? Like you thought that you're not going to get into that phone. Yeah, I mean, I was not hopeful about that because, you know, we've run into brick walls before, um, but, uh, you know, we knew we had to keep trying. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it reminds me of uh, uh, that movie Sling Blade where uh, uh, the character, you know, is asked to figure out what's wrong with the uh, mower and he's like, we don't have any gas in it. So uh, (laughs) maybe that moment, try try the simple things first, right? Right, right, right. Well, you had to think when you saw this, like, okay, we got this. We're going to, this is, this is the piece of evidence that we needed to potentially win this case. Uh, certainly that, that as, as we, you know, after it was uncovered and then started to talk to witnesses who were confirming that it was, uh, Alec, um, you know, we, we felt like, you know, we had, you know, a, a case that that was the final piece that, that was putting into place. I mean, obviously you'd love all the evidence in the world, but at some point, yeah. um, you feel like you've reached that, that point where, okay, now it's go time. You know, we need to go, uh, seek justice uh you know cases sometimes they get better with age but they generally don't so at some point you just gotta gotta go and that's what we did the the defense went after sled a lot during the trial when someone says missteps it doesn't necessarily mean they were incompetent it could have been training it could have been just a missed thing no one's perfect but was there one of the sled issues that was you felt like was a hurdle that fair or unfair you knew you had to to take on head on well, I mean, every case is like that, and particularly one that's as complex as this. Um, you know, the evidence is what the evidence is, and, and, you know, as lawyers, you can't, you know, the facts are what they are, and so you just take take what it is and move forward. Um, you know, and something as large as this and, and as uh, complicated as this, you know, every, and I know about our prosecution, we're going to do an AAR, an after-action review, and, you know, figure out what we could have done uh, better. So certainly there were things along the way, but I want to be clear, you know, SLED did an amazing job with this. Uh, they are a great partner. Um, as I said before, in State Grand Jury, we're used to working closely with them. And, uh, you know, there was nothing I felt that, that uh, you know, was insurmountable. Uh, you just, uh, you know, adapt to things. You're constantly reassessing evidence. You're constantly uh, looking at the investigation. Um, and, you know, I always say that, uh, because this is a big part of what we do in State Grand Jury, that investigations are organic. They're like children. Um, they grow. And sometimes they grow up to be something different than what you conceived at the beginning. But that's okay. Uh, you go where the evidence takes you and pick the strongest evidence that you have and present it to a jury and, and then let them decide. Well, I kind of think that happened during the course of the trial. You kind of see where where the evidence takes you and maybe you kind of adjust in some ways. Yeah, well, I mean, during the course of the trial, you know, I don't think anything changed about our theories of the case or anything like that. The one thing that did happen is, you know, after uh, multiple requests to GM and being told they had no on-star data, <laughs> they call us in the middle of the trial and say that we do. Uh, now, that didn't change anything about our theories. You know, the FBI had done the telemetry work and we had the cell phone uh, data. Uh, and so all that ultimately was was confirmatory of what we already had, but in much more greater detail. And it did, of course, give us the speeds and that sort of thing. So that was one thing that came up. But uh, again, it, it, it was just a more detailed piece of what we had already developed. So it was pretty easy to seamlessly put that in, uh, you know, in, into evidence as we went forward. Was this the longest trial that you have ever been involved with? 
I'm told that this is the longest state court trial in South Carolina history. Um, I'm not, not, I don't haven't confirmed that, but people have told me that. I think actually Dick was telling me that Pee Wee Gaskins was the longest and that was five weeks and this was six weeks. So, um, you know, it's certainly, yes, it's certainly the longest trial that I've ever been involved with. And it's far exceeds what a normal criminal trial is in South Carolina, the vast majority of which are handled within a week. Earlier, you uh, mentioned that you've worked with cartels and things like that and, and, and investigating them and putting them before a grand jury. So it brings us to the, the drug issue. And I know that uh, there was a couple of guys from Walterboro that you spoke in their hearings and talked about how uh, I can't remember exactly how you called it, a, a, a river or something that uh, ran from Alec to Cousin Eddie to Walterboro and, and perhaps these two guys. My question is twofold. One, how serious were you about putting Eddie on Eddie Smith on the stand? And two, are you going to continue down that path even with Alec about to serve two consecutive life sentences? Well, I can't comment on any uh, pending investigation uh, as far as, uh, you know, we, we've obviously have indicted uh, some, some individuals that uh, were involved in the checks, including uh, Eddie himself. Uh, I will say this, though, is that we are committed um, to following every lead of all the multi-heads of this monster, uh, and that's what we're going to do. So just because, uh, you know, Alec has been convicted of this murder doesn't mean that we're not going to aggressively pursue uh, the the white collar cases against him, for example, or against Russell Lafitte or Corey Fleming. And we're certainly not done uh, investigating all aspects of this case. And, you know, could there be additional indictments or additional defendants in the future? There certainly could be, but obviously I can't uh, comment specifically on anything uh, pending in that, that regard. One of the biggest questions that our listeners have asked us is where is all this money and do you think that the public is going to get answers as we progress through these financial crimes? Well, again, uh, you know, those are pending. Um, and uh, so I will say this, uh, you know, we, we're going to – and we have looked uh, and, and pursued a lot of those uh, leads. And I think um, I, I would say that, you know, we certainly – agree that Alec had uh, an opiate addiction, but, you know, we said in the murder trial, uh, and, you know, I said as much in, in closing that, you know, there's no way that all of that money or as many pills as he claimed he was taking is, is survivable or, or realistic. So uh, certainly, um, while he may try to say all that money went to uh, to pills, um, I, I certainly don't believe that. And uh, we're going to continue to follow every lead that we have, and we're going to try to schedule these uh, white-collar offenses, and, and then everybody can see where the evidence goes when we do that. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories. You participate in dialogues. So you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Did you tell your uh, your team's spouses that, you know, enjoy them because we're about to get started again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I might need to tell my own first. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's – it's uh, we all know that. Right. We, we, we talked about that before trial. Um, we, you know, whatever the result was here, we are very com- committed uh, to uh, – that those offenses, because again, and I want to be clear, there are allegations at this point. He's presumed innocent. He's entitled to a fair trial, and he'll get that. Uh, but the allegations really, uh, you know, go to really the heart of abuse of the system of which you know we're all a part, and, and allegations on a scale that are just unparalleled. So, uh, and those all have their own alleged victims that deserve a voice. So, um, regardless of what happened in the murders, which of course you know Maggie and Paul were the most important thing. Um, but there are systemic issues here as well about his alleged abuse of the system, abuse of his law license uh, that are are very important to be addressed as well. And so regardless of what happened in this murder, we were going to go very strong on those too. And everybody, all, the whole team is on board with that and, and well aware of it. So on top of all the other cases we have to do, we, mm-hmm. we still have a lot of work to do uh, in, in this thing and we plan to do it. I want to ask you about Judge Newman. I'm not sure who has a bigger fan club at this point, you or Judge Newman. You guys are both incredibly popular amongst the the masses. Did it surprise you that Judge Newman addressed the jury after Ellick's verdict? Um, and he, you know, he basically said went went as far as saying that the jury got it right. Well, first of all, Judge Newman, uh, you know, I have the highest uh, regard and respect for him. I, I can't imagine a more perfect judge for this particular case. That you all saw how uh, even-tempered and and uh, and just well uh, reasoned he is. Uh, you know, to have that sort of guiding hand, uh, you know, was obviously crucial. And and that was one thing that I think was really important about this is that the process, I think, acquitted it in South Carolina, acquitted itself well. We've all seen celebrity trials where things really got off the rails. And, um, you know, I, and I give credit to the defense, too. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly friendly with both Dick and Jim and Phil and Maggie, and uh, everybody was very professional. And we, we started, you know, we fought hard, but uh, we were still very professional. And, and Judge Newman was really the guiding hand in all of that. And obviously, that, that was just crucial to this process, I think, acquitting itself well. Uh, but it's not uncommon uh, after a, you know, a verdict. I mean, now he's guilty, and the judge uh, certainly at that point in time uh, can, um, you know, can address the jury, thank them for their service, and and uh, uh, you know, and, and at that point in time, you know, he's going to sentence the guy. So he's certainly he's certainly capable at that point of saying, you know, you're, you're guilty, you've been found guilty, and this is what you're accused of doing, and this is why I'm going to sentence you. Um, you know, I my comments in sentencing, as you saw, were very short because. Judge Newman uh, has been sitting there for six weeks. He's heard it all, and and I don't need to belabor the point. Um, and I sat down, and like everybody, it was just uh, 
just uh, you know riveted with uh, his interaction with with Alec and, and the comments that he made. But uh, I just I thought he did a masterful job. And again, I, I'll give credit to the defense and of course all the prosecution team and SLED and all the agencies. Uh, I just think that you know it, it, it was a, a professional job, and, and I'm just happy that South Carolina, uh, you know, I think looked pretty good on the on the on the world stage. That was one thing that stuck out to me. You know, Walsborough handled this influx of national media and spotlight very well. And I was really proud of our state. Um, You know, do you have any reflection on that? Well, yeah, I mean, that that to me was was huge. Uh, You know, we when we I remember first arriving on uh, Saturday before trial and we went down to the courthouse to, you know, drop some stuff off and get set up. And there was one food truck out there and it was like an elephant ear truck, like you would see at the state fair. <laughs> yes. And I remember saying to judge Newman, I was like, why don't we just get a, you know, go ahead and get a roller coaster and, and a Ferris wheel out here. You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, then, and I was really, you know, worried that, 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 that might, you know, I didn't want, cause I, I love the state. I'm, you know, a lifelong resident here. Uh, all of my team and, and law enforcement partners are committed to, you know, doing what we do for a reason. Uh, and I just, yeah, I, I really wanted people to see, you know, what a great uh, state this is, what a great community it is, and how, um, you know, this moment was not going to be too big for us. And, and I thought that the city did great. The community did great. We had so much support there. I, I can't, I, I don't want to leave out uh, Miss Becky Hill, the clerk of court, oh, and she's all cool, her yeah. staff. She and was uh, She was just wonderful. And, uh, you know, Colleton uh, Sheriff's Office was, was uh, amazing to us. And uh, we really, you know, made a lot of friends down there. And I have to admit that when I was packing up that hotel room for the last time, I, you know, it was a little bit nostalgic. Um, you know, I, I I left that courtroom the final time and, and all the people that were there every day that we got to know, and, you know, including the judge and the jurors, you know, it, it occurred to me as we were leaving that, all of us are never going to be, it's very unlikely that all of us will ever be in this one room at the same time again, or any room at any the room. same time yeah. again. So, uh, you know, certainly a lot of us will be together, but, you know, everybody, all the people that we interacted, whether they were media, whether they were frequent spectators, whether they were, you know, court staff, uh, you know, it just, it really, you know, we all kind of shared that experience. And of course, underlying that experience is a a horrific crime, which was the reason for it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you made some friends and, and had this experience. Absolutely. And I'm just happy that uh, that the community and the state, I think, acquitted uh, itself well. I, I felt the same way. It was actually kind of really sad. I, I, I missed it. I made so many connections along the way. And, you know, there, there were a couple things when we had this bomb threat and how well the court staff handled that was just amazing to me. And what was your team's reaction to that? Well, I think my first reaction was, because I remember when the deputy came up and I was like, okay, something's going on here. And then they said bomb threat. And I, and I think we all kind of was like, well, that was only a matter of time. And yeah. uh, we, so we left. Yeah. And so I rarely ate lunch. I think I went to the food trucks like a couple of times because um, I'm usually working during lunch. Uh, and um, actually my parents were there that day. So I actually went over uh, to the mobile command post that we had and, and got some barbecue or something. And cause I was thinking courts over for the day, uh, you know, I had to get the bomb squad to respond and do a complete sweep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we actually, uh, you know, so I had a nice lunch with my parents and then actually went back to the hotel and, 
then we get the call that uh, they're clear and Judge Newman's ready to go. So we jumped in the car and headed on back and and got uh, got busy again. Uh, you know, you saw, and this is amazing, I think too, and you know how uh, focused Judge and tight a ship that Judge Newman runs. But you know, we that was maybe the biggest stress on me in this trial was making sure that. You know, we had one witness to go right after another, uh, that literally they were pretty much walking up as the other one was walking down. Um, I know that that's important to Judge Newman, and it's important to us too, you know, particularly in a trial this long. But, you know, to go six-week accord and not have it really ever break down, um, you know, the only time it really broke down was because of a bomb threat. You know, I, again, I think that was that – was, uh, pretty, pretty awesome. And, and again, every single day, making sure we had prep witnesses ready to go, uh, making sure that they were here, making sure that, um, you know, that, that the case was proceeding in a, in a manner consistent with our strategy, that every daily task for me was probably the biggest stress that I had. Now I'm going to let you go, but I, uh, you know, I don't like to criticize people behind their back. So I have to bring something up. That's <laughs> sure. That's the PowerPoint presentation. Was yeah. that a sword or what was that? Yeah, uh, I, I, I wait. I have a debate, ongoing debate. Was it a sword or a pendulum? Was I might I lose. think, I think that I uh, was when I got that image. I think I was uh, trying to find like a sword of Damocles. Is I think what I was going for. So ah, it's supposed to be a sword. Okay, all right. Um, and actually, that PowerPoint, I had, that one, that one. I think you're talking about. I had written that one. You know. Months and months ago, I the hamster on the wheel. I think was on there. The hamster on the wheel too. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I think uh, you know finalizing all of those and 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 writing all of those. I was up. I got about two hours of sleep I before bet. the uh, the day of closing argument. But that one had been written a while, and I actually took out a lot of images to kind of sanitize it for the jury a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I left in the hamster wheel and the sword. Well, when, when I was sitting where I was sitting in the courtroom, I could not see it. And I kept looking. I thought at first, I thought it was a weather vane. I was like, is this a sword or pendulum? I couldn't really tell. But, but <laughs> we had fun with it. Uh, we had fun. We did. Talk, we did discuss it. Um, yeah. But I did. The, before we let you go, there's one other thing that I wanted to, to ask you about was when this. That, that really weird moment about the gun that was pointed kind of at the gallery and at the about Dick went, yeah I mean it was really yeah. it was really strange did you have a reaction at the time or after the fact you know uh, I so you know sitting in that that first chair you know every decision comes to you and even if you're not the one doing the witness and I think that at that moment in time somebody was talking to me about either uh, you know, the next witness or what we had going on. And so I didn't actually see it, uh, when it occurred, uh, I certainly heard about it and certainly I, uh, people uh, didn't like the joke about tempting or something like yeah, that, yeah. but you know, that courtroom was so, so tight and, uh, yeah. it's very difficult to do that. I, I know that, you know, on the yeah. first day when I was pulling out those guns with, uh, either Daniel Green or Jeff Croft or whoever it was, and I was doing my best not to point it. And the last people in the world I want to point it at is the jury, of course. And then definitely don't want to point it at Judge Newman either. Um, and I, I did. I successfully managed to uh, not point it at anybody I thought. <laughs> uh, but during the break, uh, the court reporter was like, yeah, you, you pointed that gun right at me. I was oh, like, oh, no. sorry, man. I'm so sorry. But uh, anyway, that courtroom, as you, as you know, was very, very tight. Um, and that's we, true. I never thought about that. You really well. don't have anywhere you yeah. can go with it that's not going to be yeah. at someone. 
Yeah. That that was the difficulty. I mean, I, I remember pulling it out of the box, and I'm sitting here actively thinking, where can I, how do I pull this out without <laughs> it being in somebody's path? And, wow. Uh, so. Yeah, it's crazy right. little things. Um, so much appreciated, uh, Creighton Waters. It's been really cool uh, that you took some time with us, and, and uh, go USC game, Lady Gamecocks. <laughs> women's don't say ladies. Oh, ladies. I don't know. I, know. I don't women's, know. There's a women's. controversy about well, this. Well, Don Stilley's a sure. Philly girl, so it's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Creighton, thank you, man. Appreciate it. I enjoyed talking with y'all. Y'all have Thank a good you. One. Thank, Thank you, you again. Bye. We constantly are talking about how long the trial was at six weeks. The OJ trial I looked up was eight months. And a lot of other commentators nationally are saying, even Vinnie Politano do Court TV, he was saying that that's exceptionally short, he thinks, for some of the compared to some of the murder trials and things he's done. But we move through them in here in South Carolina. The rest of our lifestyle is very slow, but apparently court goes quickly. I don't know. I sat there and it seemed long to me. I know. But imagine eight months, right? So uh, if you want to reach out to us and we'll get to a comment because you can do it on uh, Murdoch Podcast Facebook or MurdochPodcast.com or Matt Harris Podcast at gmail.com. And Seton loves this one. Yeah. So I think on the ratings, honestly, the four star reviews are probably the most accurate. So this person gave us four stars and it says, such a strange podcast. Just strange? He, yes, and he said, I think the whole world could see what a piece of poop Alec Murdoch is. <laughs> However, this podcast takes an objective view of the Murdoch murder trial, and in that respect, it is completely different perspective from seeing every other podcast in news, entertainment, TV, crime shows. I liked it. Oh, it started uh, Interesting podcasts, and the hosts were very well informed and thorough. Okay. Four star reviews. They didn't totally love us, but they they thought they were we weird. were strange and maybe informed. We are strange and, and informed. Weird and strange and informed. Uh, this is an email I got, and I don't know what she's referring to because it just starts with, "If anything is weak, it is your podcast skills." Oh gosh, painful to listen to. I listened to several related podcasts, and I was recommended it from another listener. I just don't think you guys know what educated people are supposed to sound like. Sorry, but I've had enough. Mm. Sorry, Carolyn. That was rough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Eh, we'll try to better next time. I mean, there's nothing constructive about that, but we'll, you know, just maybe tune out. Sure. But we'll, uh, people are asking, we'll follow all this as it continues. And of course, we will update you on that, plus working on some other uh, possible subject matter to get to. Yeah, we want to take the umbrella of Impact of Influence, and we hope that you will stick with us. Great. great. All right. We're grateful, as always, and we'll talk soon, friend. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface, to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, 
and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.